This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Good to have you this morning at Relevant Life Church. Welcome. I realize that we've had a few glitches this morning on our live stream. Hopefully, are we back up and going today? Yes, no, sort of, maybe. We're, we're, we, we'll have something, so if you're listening to this afterwards, you're going to get something. I promise you that. Uh, anyway, we want to thank you for being at Relevant Life Church this morning. We see that there's a lot that are gone. There's a lot that are here. Uh, we're, we know that people are on vacations, and we encourage that. Trent and Allie are back from vacation. Can we give them a woohoo? Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. When I came down the stairs and hearing him practice in the worship time, I'm going this, I, I'm so pumped that he's home. We have an amazing worship team, but can I tell you, there's a special fondness in a father's heart when you hear your son leading worship. Is that, can I just say that, right? I don't, I don't know about you, um, but I'm glad that they're home, Pastor Allie. Welcome home. They've had an amazing time. Uh, she looks really, really tan, and you have to have Trenton take off his watch to see that he's tan, okay? <laughs> so uh, he did get some sun, uh, but you know, hey, right? Uh, we want to remember Pastor uh, David Charles and Tiffany, they're on vacation this morning, so we want to pray for them. God, we just ask your blessings and strength and refreshing. God, would you renew them today, I pray in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for everyone that's here. Amen. 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 Today, how many came for the special announcements this morning? No one did, so sorry. We're just going to move on. Would, no. Uh, we have two really exciting announcements today. I love, how many love it when God does something? You, you, you plan, but God does something even better right, that he does something even better. This morning, we've been in a process of planning and, and realigning and trying to figure out what's going to take place in the fall, realizing there needs to be some situation or some, some uh, just things that need to adjust. And today, I, our first announcement that's so exciting to me is that we're going to be making a staff adjustment, a staff moving or a staff transitioning. Um, and as, we, as you saw, we did that with Pastor Allie and Sarah came in. We're doing that with Pastor Trenton. Trenton's actually going to be stepping out of youth ministries in the fall here and stepping into executive ministry pastor. And so with that, with the, with that all that's going to entail is he's here. Everyone say he's here. He's not leaving. Amen. Are you happy about that? Right? He's going to continue to stay in worship uh, and creative arts, but he's also going to be coming in and stepping in to go how, helping me lead in operations and systems and strategies. And I can tell you it's going to be a huge blessing because after COVID, we have had to realign and trying to realign everything, and Trenton's going to be stepping in to help us with that. So come, Trenton, come. I should, probably should have had you come up here while I was doing all that, but would you give him a round of applause? And we have a special gift in honor of him doing what he's doing. Allie, we gave flowers and a card to, and he doesn't like flowers. Well, he, I know, so he doesn't, maybe not like flowers, but we're speaking his love language right now by gift cards, okay, and, and sour patches. So fast break. I'm going to steal one from you. Come on, let's give him one more round of applause. Do you want to say something? Sorry. Ooh, there we go. Thank you guys. Seriously, thank you for this. And I just want to say I'm excited for what's going forward and the announcement that's coming after this. But um, I just I just want to say thank you guys for believing me and pouring in. Um, I've been in this church my whole life, um, and to be able to just 
grow up with so much belief and, and um, love from you guys has been amazing. And I'm excited for what's coming forward. Um, and I want to just say to the youth students in the room, because I know there's a few, I'm going to say it next service. I love you guys. Um, and I'm not leaving. Um, Allie and I will still try to stay engaged in some form or fashion. We believe in you guys. Um, and the person he's going to announce is, is pretty awesome. So anyway, give it up for that person. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Let's just skip the next announcement. Right. No, we have been really praying. I, you know, as we look across the state of Oregon, there's limited amounts of people. And the individual that I'm going to introduce to you this morning is some of you already know, some of you have had relationships with. And uh, this person has been someone in my life for the last several years. And we're ecstatic to introduce to you our new youth pastors, Jesse and Kendra Davis. You have to go backwards the slide. There you go, right there. And yeah, come on, let's give them a round of applause. And uh, their little boy, Shep. Uh, he's going to be joining us. They're, they're moving in the middle of August. And so uh, I just want you to be excited, be ecstatic about that. R welcome them with open arms. Uh, they're an amazing couple. They understand our culture. They love our culture. Uh, they understand our hearts. They love our hearts, and we love their hearts. And we're really ecstatic to be able to partner with them. Uh, they're going to be moving in August, but they're not going to be... Uh, there, we'll introduce them in September. September 11th is going to be their first Sunday present at RLC. Uh, part of it is he's hired as a part-time youth pastor. So he's going to be working Thursday, Fridays in the office and beginning an outside job uh, to be able to accommodate the rest of that. And he's going to be living in our house next door. So if you've been wondering, what are we doing with the house next door? Why are we doing all that we're doing? It's because we're in preparation of an amazing couple and their little boy. And uh, we're, we're pumped about that. So Amen. I can tell you, he, he's going to be watching today. So let's give a shout out to Jesse and Kendra. One, two, three. Woohoo. Yeah. Good deal. So we're excited about that. Good news, right? Is that good news? Amen. Everyone can shake their heads yes. And I know that this can cause a little bit of disruption to go, where do I fit and how does this play out? The thing that's so exciting, can I tell you, I don't want to be... Uh, self-acclaiming in this, but what I read all over the place is that churches that are functioning well in this time, this, this time and place are churches that are able to adjust their staff and move their staff within the organization rather than having them have to leave and find someone new. So today, as we are here, this is one of those things that's really positive about us, is that we're, we're willing to adjust the position. We're willing to move the person, move the, the puzzle piece, and bring someone else in. And so thank you. Uh, that goes back to your faithfulness. That goes back to you giving and generosity and all of those things. And uh, we're so grateful for that. Anyway, God is so good, and we're really excited about that. Uh, many people are on vacation. I just want to announce Trenton and I take off Tuesday. Everyone say Tuesday. Uh, we have the privilege, I have the privilege of leading our Oregon uh, Ministry Network's AIM trip, which is all of our young, our teenagers uh, on their AIM trip, their missions trip to Alaska. Our, our fearless leader, Sean, was unable to go. And so I got privileged to, and asked. And so what I'm asking you is, would you pray for us? We have, uh, uh, we have two that have backed out, so now it's a total group of 43 people. Uh, the majority of them are, uh, are young people, and the majority of those young people are junior high students. And so... Uh, <laughs> I, I, fortunately, I love junior high, uh, but I'm now at an older age, and I'm like going, dear Jesus, help me with junior high age, right? Uh, I, I, so all that. So be in prayer for us as we go. We're going to be gone for uh, nine days, uh, and then when I get back, part of my nine days is I'm already I'm stepping out on vacation August 1st, but when I get back from my trip, I'm going to be on vacation. So uh, I'm leaving you in well, well 
gifted hands to be able to do what you're doing and what we're going to do. So just be in, yeah, be faithful, be in prayer. Pastor Ron is going to be concluding our series next week with joy. Everyone say joy. Such a powerful topic. And today I am going to preach our next to the last message, and it's going to be about sadness. So how many, you know, so, so today just endure sadness because joy is coming, right? Uh, joy is coming. But I, I really believe that God has given me uh, a direction to bring this morning, a positive, healthy direction on this thing called sadness. Uh, emotions, as we've realized, emotions cause tension in our lives, and we've dialogued that week after week after week. There's a tension that grows in us. I mean, I, I said sadness, and automatically there was a tension in the room. I, see, I say joy, and everyone goes, oh, except for those that are always sad, right? So there's going to be a tension that's going to be there. There's just going to be this thing that's there that's present. And what, what I, I want to, I'm going to kind of skip through. There's been eight emotions that we've been looking at, or there's eight primary emotions. We've only looked at four of those. Out of, that, out of those, those eight, there's a, many, many, many more in this, this wheel that we looked at, but I'm not going to take time this morning just based on announcements, and I want to step right into the concept of emotions. If you're new with us, I encourage you to go back and listen to these sermons. Go back and listen to anger and fear. We've had amazing comments, amazing feedback uh, that, that this has been a very powerful and helpful series to you. So we're, we're thankful for that. So if this is your first one, you may want to go back and listen to some of the others. But emotions, by definition, is a mental reaction, a strong feeling that arises spontaneously. How many sometimes realize that your emotion comes out before you even have a chance to respond to that emotion before you even have control over what you're feeling. It's either a happy or a sad or an anger or a fear. It just rises up within us. Typically, it's accompanied by a physiological or a behavioral change in the body. When we think about emotions, there's a physiological change. There's a, a, a body posture that changes. There's a behavior change that, that takes place. And particularly, when we talk about sadness today, there is a, a demeanor that, that comes. There's a physiological behavior that comes. We've been looking over the last several weeks in Galatians chapter 5, and Paul writes and he says, but I say, walk by the Spirit. Everyone say, walk by the Spirit. Paul says, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. How many this week have encountered this opposition between the two in your life? How many can be honest to go, no, there's, my Spirit's telling me one thing, and my flesh is telling me another, Right? Uh, I had my flesh tell me a lot of things yesterday about what I wanted to eat, and then I had to come back and go, no, I shouldn't eat, right? Anybody else out there? You know, I, I'll tell you this. I did succumb. Rhonda brought home two major treats from uh, a baby shower yesterday, and I ate an amazing lemon bar that are from heaven. Heather made them from heaven, and uh, then I also got a sugar cookie. And so I chose those things, even though inside my spirit's going, Kevin, should you eat these? My flesh is going, yes, you should eat these, right? So, uh, so walking by the spirit. But as we look at these things called emotions, spirit-guided people live in freedom and emotionally driven people live in chaos. Have you discovered moments in your life when your life, because you've been living by emotions, you have chaos in your life? You have chaos in your emotions. There's not a settling. There's not a peace. There's an upheaval. There's a turmoil. There's a trauma that you're experiencing. What I realize that's so very valuable and so important that you need to understand is that God is amazing at this thing called chaos. Right? Let's think about back in creation. When everything was in chaos, when everything was in formless and void, what did God do? <sighs> 
And as he breathed and as he spoke, everything came into order. Can I tell you this exact same thing that he does in our lives? If we're allowing the Spirit of God to work in our lives, to work in our emotions, to guide us in our emotions, he's going to breathe, he's going to speak, he's going to guide, and he's going to bring this sense of freedom and peace. The thing that I always can tell you when I'm feeling chaos in my life, I immediately have to go back and go, am I being spirit-led or am I being flesh-led? That's a good word for somebody this morning. You need to ask yourself, am I being spirit-led? Can I tell you that freedom always is a result of being spirit-led? Chaos is always a result of being flesh-led. So today, when we, the title of my message, When I Feel Sad. Everyone say, when I feel sad. The reason I say when is because everyone's going to feel sad from time to time. Today, what I want to clarify really clearly is this fact. Today, I'm not addressing what I'm going to call clinical depression. We understand clinical depression is a very valid thing and a very necessary thing, and I'm not a doctor. So today, if you are clinically depressed, there are things that today is going to help you with, but they're not the answer to your situations because there's a doctor that's already prescribing answers for your situation, okay? Even though we serve a, gr a great physician, I want to release you to be free to what your doctor is ordering for your life, not to go, okay, I'm going to just stop medication and I'm going to do these principles. Can I tell you, if you apply your medicine and these principles... You're golden. You're golden, okay? But today, all of us feel, feel sadness. I can tell you today that I, Kevin, probably just like you, battle with this thing called sadness from time to time. I can tell you that there's moments that, that I have sadness over my personal circumstances, that I have sadness over relationships. I have sadness over situations that my kids are facing in their life. I have sadness to think about the situations that my grandkids are going to have to face later on down the road. I have sadness over situations in your life. I have sadness because of postings on social media. I have sadness because of the state of our nation. I have sadness because of the state of our state. Can I tell you that we're surrounded by perpetual circumstances that can, be, that can bring sadness in our lives? How many of some of those things bring sadness to you? When you think about them and you ponder those things or those circumstances happen, sadness can well up within you. Things can cause us to be a little bit uh, unsettled. But I can tell you this, that you can have sadness, but sadness does not have to have you. You can have sadness. Today, somewhere we have so shamed this idea of sadness and we have opposed sadness and we want to go, rather than sadness, pick up joy Today, I want to bring a perspective on sadness, sadness that, that is a biblical form of sadness and that hopefully uh, will help you in the process of life. Sometimes we as Christians, we feel that we have to describe this life following Jesus as something that's straight out of this beautiful magazine, that our lives are all perfect, our homes are all perfect, we have a white picket fence, there's no problems, and there's no circumstances that are too difficult. But can I tell you that that example, that picture is not even appropriate for Scripture. Because in John chapter 16, Jesus said these very words. I have told you all of this. I've told you all these things because I want you to have peace in me. He says, here on this earth, you will have, everyone say you will have. You will have many trials and you will have many sorrows. When we think about this concept of Christianity, we want to go, no, this, let's, put the, let's put the golden veil over it. Let's make it, we've got to appear happy. We've got to appear all these things. And the reality is, 
I don't want you to dwell in sadness and joy because, or dwell in sadness and sorrow, excuse me, because Jesus does say there is peace. But he did say that you're going to face hard times. Life is going to be difficult. Sadness, sorrow, we can look at God throughout Scripture and God is saddened by things. We can look at Jesus throughout Scripture, and Jesus was saddened by things. This word sadness is an emotional pain associated with or characterized by feelings of disadvantage, feelings of loss, feelings of despair, feelings of grief, helplessness, disappointment, and sorrow. We step back and we can look at all these adjectives. We can look at all these words. And how many in this room will be bold enough and honest enough to go, no, I've felt those things. Okay? We've all felt those things. We've felt those things within and just how we have dealt with them. Sometimes sadness is not just a surface level issue. Sometimes it's deep within us. Sometimes it's a residual from your past. Can I tell you today that there are sometimes we feel this thing called sadness and we may not put our finger on what it is and it's actually a residual of something that took place in our life years ago that we're feeling that's under the surface. It's not, when we think about this answer to, to sadness, it's not just a band-aid that we can put on it to go, I'm not going to feel sad today. I'm not going to feel sad. Just like I'm not going to feel anger. I'm not going to feel fear. Feelings and emotions are very, very real, right? Say they're real. And you're going to respond to things differently than I'm going to respond to things. And I'm going to respond differently to things than you are. That doesn't mean that I'm right and you're wrong or you're wrong and I'm right. Did I say that wrong? Not sure. John Piper says this, and this is the premise of how I want to face today. There are some joys that are only possible on the other side of sorrow. There are some joys that are only possible on the other side of sorrow. I want you to think about that statement. I want you to think about that, that process, the process of sorrow that's uncomfortable, that process of sorrow that makes us feel hopeless and helpless at times. Do you know what I'm talking about? Can I tell you, here John Piper is speaking a very biblical-founded statement that sometimes the joy that we feel comes on the other side of the sorrow that we've had to walk through. We can look at Psalms 23, and it says, even though I walk through the valley, the shadow of darkness, the shadow of death, one translation says, but it, actually it's meaning the, the shadow of hopelessness. Even though I walk through hopelessness, even though I walk through dark situations, what? Basically, I'm not alone. We have to walk through it. Everyone say walk through. So when we feel sadness, it's a through process. It's not a destination. It's not a stop. Sadness is a doorway, not a house to live in. A doorway that we walk through, a gateway that we walk through, it's not a house that we dwell in. And that's what I want you to realize today is that there is blessings in this thing called sadness. I would say that sadness is a holy emotion. It's an emotion that, that God felt. It's an emotion that God gives us, gives us feelings to feel. Swindoll says this, Charles Swindoll says this, sadness isn't a bad emotion. It's the incredibly human response to something that has gone wrong in the world. Anybody feel sadness over the last couple years? As we look at our social media and we look at our world, does that bring sadness to you? As you drive down the streets of Portland, if you go to Portland and you see the still continued disrepair of our, of our, of our Portland, does that bring sadness to you? You can, go, you can look at these things that it's a wrong, uh, something that has gone wrong in our world. Sadness doesn't necessarily mean we're failing to trust God. 
It simply means we're bravely experiencing our humanity. What I want you to grasp today is that sadness is not wrong and joy is not always the posture that we live in. There's a thing that sometimes we go through other emotions. Joy is a destination. Joy is a primary. Rhonda's going to talk about joy next week. And I can tell you that Jesus and God felt felt emotions temporarily, but they are engulfed with joy. They are joy. Just like Jesus, God is love, they are joy. And that's why we can have joy today. Instead of running from sad times, many of us would be served to stay put and embrace the sad times as a gift from God. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, we all love it, we love the under, I don't know if we completely grasp it, but it says, and we know, everyone say, we know. I ask you today, what is it you know? We keep coming back going, what do you know about God? What you know about God, are you applying it to your life? And we know that God causes everything to work together for good. And those who, to the, of those who call, love God and are called according to his purposes. What we can assume from this passage of scripture is that God is coming and going, not everything is good. Not everything is good. Everyone say that with me today. Not everything is good. In those not good moments, can I tell you that you're going to feel sad. In those not good moments, you are going to feel something called anger and maybe fear. You're going to feel other emotions. But what's positive about this passage of Scripture that Paul comes and says, God is able to work all things, even the bad things, and make good out of them. How many have discovered that in your life? Hello out there? I need you to participate. How many have discovered that in your life? You've, you've realized that God can do good things, that God can take your bad things and make them good. Sorrow is not a pleasant topic, but as we will see today, this normal, natural, healthy, and justifiable sorrow, if left without check, can cause a lot of damage in our lives. Am I correct? Today, there are people that are in this room that may not be classified as clinically depressed, but battle with depression. It's the number one sickness in America. Sadness, sorrow, unchecked, can lead to this thing called depression. Where do you allow your sadness to lead you? I want to talk today about this power perspective. Going all the way back to Genesis chapter 35, we see this story about Jacob and his wife, Rachel. Uh, It says, leaving Bethel, Jacob and his clan uh, moved on, on toward Ephrath, but Rachel went into labor while they were still some distance away. Her labor pains were intense. And after a very hard delivery, the midwife finally exclaimed, don't be afraid, you have another son. And Rachel was about to die, as she was about to die, uh, but her very last breath, she named her son Ben-Onai, which actually means son of sadness, son of sorrow. Can I ask you this? How many would love to have your name be son or daughter of sorrow? Can I tell you that many times we live as sons and daughters of sorrow? We allow the sorrow to come in and it robs us of our perspective. Thankfully, Benjamin had a father named Jacob, and Jacob comes and goes, no, I'm going to supersede this name. Can I tell you that you have a God who supersedes your name today? And instead of it being Ben and I, he comes and says, your name is going to be Benjamin, which means signifies the uh, son of the right hand, which actually means son of blessing. So here... Jacob had one perspective and Rachel had another perspective. She's dying with this perspective of, no, I'm ending my life and I'm filled with sorrow. I'm filled with grief. And she's putting a stamp on something that says, you're going to be, you're the son of my sorrow. 
Jacob is wise enough to come and go, no, I don't want my son shaped by son of sorrow. I want my son to be shaped by son of blessing. And today I want to declare to you that you may face sadness. You may be walking through the valley of the shadow. You may be experiencing darkness in your life. And God doesn't want you to be stamped or defined by the darkness. God wants, God wants to stamp and define you by his blessing. Amen? So when we look at this today, I want to give you three points just we, as we have done throughout this process. Number one, the problem of sadness. Everyone say the problem of sadness. As I stated earlier, everyone feels sadness. Healthy sadness is a feeling of sadness, sorrow, grief, but processing it, processing it towards, living, uh, towards living, not the end of, life, end of life itself. It's a passage through. Today I can give you an example when I think about those that are mourning, those who have lost someone primarily, and they're grieving. Always my counsel is, is that your goal is to grieve, grieve towards life, not grieve towards death. You've lost someone valuable. You've lost someone important. But can I tell you that many times in our lives, in our grief, we end up dying ourselves, not physically, but emotionally. And I can tell you this, that every loved one that you have sent on, they don't want you to stop living. They want you to keep living. Just because they've passed doesn't mean they want you to pass. And many times we punish ourselves with the sorrow and the grief and healthy grief means you're going to grieve towards life. You're going to grieve towards purpose because your purpose has not ended. Unhealthy grief, unhealthy sadness is this, is not, feeling your, not allowing yourself to feel for one. We bury it. Or maybe overfeeling it. Today, there may be overfeelers in this room. Sometimes I can be an overfeeler. I'm not really too much of a barrier. Anybody be bold enough to go, you're a barrier of emotion? Some of us are barriers, some of us are feelers. Hopefully some of you are balanced. Maybe you're just godly like you should be. But there are times that we can give too much power to this thing called sadness and grief. Sadness and grief, when we give too much power to it, we produce a life that has no hope, as Pastor Ali talked about this morning. Proverbs chapter 13 says this, hope deferred, hope longed for, hope absent makes the heart sick. Can I tell you that many of, much of America is hope sick because there is no hope. They're, they're overcome with sadness. They're overcome with sorrow, which is leading and lending to other things in their lives. A New York Times article dated 2021 states this, depression is a serious condition that can be incapacitating, devastating, and even deadly for those who suffer from it. So we talk about the problem of sadness. In the U.S., nearly 38% of adults and teens report current feelings of depression. And about 52% of people will experience depression in their lifetime. So we're not necessarily talking about a clinical depression. We're talking about circumstantial or momentary depression that we've allowed things that have gone too far. Because depression is so widespread, it has been, re been referred to by some as the common cold of mental illness. Depression's costs to societies are enormous. It's estimated that depression is the primary diagnosis for nearly 8 million visits to healthcare providers. The economic cost of depression is figured to be around $83 billion a year, including lost workplace productivity and treatment costs. 
While the societal costs of depression are significant, the toll it can take on the individual can be enormous. And I will say that toll that it can take on a family member can be enormous. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says this, how we can tell the difference between a healthy sorrow and an unhealthy sorrow is as Paul comes and writes, he says, godly sorrow brings repentance. Many times you and I look at this word repentance as something that is a spiritual avenue just only, and it is, but can I tell you the very base of repentance is life change? Godly sorrow can bring life change to us. Proper sorrow, healthy sorrow, if we want to remove the, the God part of it and go into a practical, healthy sorrow can bring life change. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. Today, if you and I have in the practical realm, I don't want to take, again, definitely not take away the power of God's word, but in the practical realm, as well as overarching in the spiritual realm, if we have healthy emotions, if we have healthy sadness, it's going to lead towards a, 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 a place of no regret, of life. But worldly sorrow brings death. Unhealthy sorrow brings death in our life. Unhealthy and unhealthy perspectives, unhealthy focuses brings death in our life, whether that's spiritual, physical, mental, emotional. And what I want to, before we step into understanding sadness, what I want you to know in this problem of sorrow, Jesus himself came to address this thing called sorrow. Jesus in, chapter, or in Isaiah chapter 61 is prophesied about him. It says that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on him, on Jesus, to proclaim good news. Everyone say good news. So today when we're hearing this about sadness, there's good news. There's good news. And he comes on and he says he came to bind up the brokenhearted, those that are feeling sorrow and sadness and grief. He came to comfort all who mourn. He came to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oils of joy instead of mourning, and the garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. Today, when we talk about sadness, we talk about depression, we talk about anxiety, Jesus himself came to absolve all of those things. Jesus himself came and said, no, I can bring healing to this problem of sadness. Number two, understanding sadness. Sadness is, a natu is natural and it's universal. This emotion that all of us experience, all of us can face this reaction in our lives. We use different words to talk about sadness, whether it's angu agony, anguish, broken, a broken heart, hurt, sorrow, whatever it might be. But sadness occurs at the same time as other feelings do. And so that's oftentimes where we get confused, that we're going to feel anger, and that anger might be more, more evident than sadness. So we're going, no, I'm angry and not realizing that you're actually sad. I'm fearful, and I'm actually underneath, I'm sad. Can I tell you that sadness is one of those emotions that can float almost through every other emotion? That we can feel those things that are there, so it's an overarching emotion that is there. Sadness may change how you feel physically. Perhaps today you're thinking that it's anger, and there could be sub it could be hidden, but maybe you're feeling sick to your stomach. Maybe you're battling with headaches. Maybe you're feeling physical body pain, and really you need to look at the low, below the surface and go, maybe I'm feeling sadness. Can I tell you today that if we don't, if we just hit the symptoms and not get the root, we're not going to find healing. How many have discovered that? That Jesus wants us to acknowledge those things, that Jesus wants us to actually confess those things to him. Sadness may also change how you, change how you feel emotionally. Some may respond in tears and some may respond in a, I'm going to say, in a false sense of joy to overcome. 
for us to understand and to grasp and actually benefit from this thing called sadness in our lives, sadness has to be embraced. Just like anger has to be processed, just like fear has to be processed, our natural inclination so often with, with emotions is to hide them or to push them back to go, I'm not supposed to feel this way. Anybody right? I'm not supposed to feel this way, so I'm not going to allow myself to feel this way. Anybody out there? Can I tell you that we need to walk through the emotion? We need to be present in the emotion. We don't want the emotion to overtake us. Sadness is this natural reaction to many things. Sadness is a reaction to disappointment. Sadness is a reaction to rejection. Anybody ever feel sad because you've been rejected by somebody or something? Sadness is, is, is present when there's an ending or a goodbye. Sadness is present when there is a sickness of self or someone in your family. Ron and I, we, last year in 2021, as we walked through this thing called cancer, there was sadness that surrounded us. Even though we knew there was a hope in God, there was an emotion of sadness as we're processing, as we're walking through the valley, the darkness. Maybe there's sadness because of a death of a loved one. Maybe there's sadness because there's a loss of identity. Can I tell you that we can dwell in sadness and we can stay in sadness or we can travel through sadness? Sadness has a broad range of emotion, and it can go from disappointment to discouragement, go from being distraught to resignation to helplessness to hopelessness, from misery to despair, from grief to sorrow, from anguish to depression. Depression being this, all of those being negative, but depression ending up being going, I'm hopeless completely. Can I tell you today that God, as we've seen here today, that Jesus has a purpose and a plan for our, our sorrows and our sadness? 1 Peter chapter 1 says this, In all of this you greatly rejoice, though for now, though now, everyone say now. Though now, whether that now is today, whether that now is a year long, whether that now is your lifetime, though now, for a little while, while you have had to suffer grief. The definition of grief right there is sadness, sorrow, and feeling distraught. You've had to feel suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Peter's coming and going, I acknowledge the fact that everyone's going to go through something. He's given permission for the trial. He says, you're feeling grief, you're feeling, feeling sorrow, though now for a little while you're feeling this. Verse 7 says this, these have come, these occasions, this valley of the shadow of darkness, this emotion of sadness have come for a very purposeful reason. And instead of us shoving it away and running from it, we need to step back and we need to embrace it. It says they come for this reason, that the proven genuineness of your faith. How many want your faith to be proven? It says of greater worth than gold, which perishes, perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Can I tell you? For Jesus Christ to be revealed in your life, it takes the valley of the shadow of death. It takes the hardships and the sorrows that you have to walk through that sadness. There is a proving time in our life, and we shove away from sadness. We shove away from grief. We shove away from hardship. And God is going, you're missing the proving. You're missing the refining. You're missing the moments for me to work in your life. A.W. Tozer says this, it is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. 
You know, I can read this statement off the cuff and I can come back and go, that sounds like child abuse. But I want you to understand that just as Jesus suffered for us and suffered to learn this thing called obedience, remember that in Romans chapter 12? This is that Jesus suffered in order that he could learn obedience. The Son of God learning obedience? Jesus suffered? Can I tell you today, how much more do we need to step in and embrace the suffering of life as we walk through it, not dwell in it? Remember, it's a doorway we walk through, not a house that we live in. And this confusion that happens in our lives is that many times we set up camp in the middle of our sorrow. We set up camp in the middle of our sadness. So how do we deal with sadness? How do we deal with sadness? Number one, I want to state this. It's not a point, but I want you to understand that we don't want to waste our sadness. I think of a book um, by Paul Bilheimer, an old book, and it's a book entitled, Don't Waste Your Sorrows. Don't waste your sorrows. Today, as we deal with sadness, Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, Jesus himself and all of his Sermon on the Mount and all of his blessed statements makes this, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. How many want to be blessed? Come on, how many want to be blessed? Raise your hand. How many want to be blessed? For you to be blessed, you have to learn to mourn. For you to be blessed, you have to learn to expo experience this thing called sadness, this thing that's, and this word blessed is happy, complete, and fulfilled. We come back and go, I find happiness in mourning, find fulfillment in mourning. Can I tell you there's a process that we walk through? And the thing that's so cool about this statement is that the very last line that Jesus says, for they will be comforted. When you and I resist mourning, the blessing of mourning, we're resisting the comfort of God. We're not allowing him to come into our life to bring comfort to us. So I want to give you two different things here. One is helping others with sadness, and we're going to go to helping yourself with sadness real quickly. Helping others with sadness. Number one is we need to be present. Everyone say, be present. Be present. We know that Jesus, our example, was present. Jesus left heaven and came to earth to walk amongst mankind. Jesus left heaven, left his perfection, and came to the sinful planet, and he experienced all things that we experience. He was present. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 is that Jesus was despised and he was rejected. He was a man of sorrows and he was acquainted with deepest grief. We immediately go to the point of rejection on the cross, and yes, that was a point of deep grief. How many would admit that? But can I tell you that all inclusive in Jesus' life, he came in and embraced deep grief because he embraced the sinfulness of man. He, he embraced, he was present amongst his creation of people, and he felt grief. We've heard this statement, people don't care how much you know if they don't know how much you care. How many have found that true in your own life? You don't really want to hear what someone has to say unless you know that they care about you. I can have someone come into my life, and there's a lot of people that want to give advice, and I can be quick to give advice, but I have to come back and go, have I showed them that I care before I even speak? Am I present? Am I present in their life? Can I tell you that many times we think we have a lot of answers? Pre-cancer in the Reich household, I had a lot of answers about cancer. Cancer in the Reich household revealed that we have no answers in cancer. 
be present. Be present. Understand. Before you try to give all the answers, show them that you care. Helping others through sadness. Number one, show, or number two, show, show compassion. Everyone say, show compassion. I know that our natural inclination is to come from our perspective and to go, just buck up. Why are you feeling sad? You should be joyful. Rejoice in the Lord always. Can I tell you, we need to be where they're at. We need to be compassionate. And when you're present and you hear what they're going through and what they're feeling, that should stir compassion in you, not judgment in you. And today, if you're here and you are hearing someone and you're going, well, if you would just do and you're feeling judgment inside, you're missing the whole point. Rather than trying to get help them, you need to go to God and help you so you can get some compassion in your life. Colossians chapter 3 says this, put on, everyone say put on. As God's chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. It should be what characterizes you and I, that our hearts are compassionate. Put on kindness, put on humility, put on meekness, put on patience, bearing with one another. If you are constantly frustrated with people, it's your problem, not theirs. Hello? I just shot you with a rifle, not a shotgun. If you're constantly disturbed and chaotic in your life because of people, you need to get on your knees and say, God, give me compassion and kindness and meekness and humility. Romans 12, 15 says this, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. That's almost a commandment. He's coming and going, if someone's happy, you shift your emotion and you're happy. If someone's sad, you shift your emotion and you go, how do I mourn with you? Thirdly, for the offering others hope, or others help in sadness is to offer hope. There we go. You need, how many need reminders of hope? Right? Am I the only one? Come on, be, participate this morning. How many need reminders of hope? We need reminders of hope. God is a God of hope. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 12, he says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction. Patient in sorrow, patient in sadness. I can tell you today that I can be more patient in joy than I can be patient in sorrow. Anybody want to just rip through sorrow? Anybody just want to skip it? Anyone want to just, let's bury it? And Paul says, no, we got to be patient as we walk through affliction. We got to be patient as we walk through grief. We got to be patient. We've got to allow these feelings these, to process within us. So how do we help ourselves, Pastor Kevin? Help yourself through sadness, and this is where it comes down to a proactiveness on our parts. Helping yourself through sadness is not a passive state of being. It's not being passive. It's not just going, okay, well, it will pass. Because I can guarantee if we entertain sadness too long, it's going to take us to an unhealthy form. If we entertain it, if we nurse it too long. You know what I'm talking about? Where we feel sorry for ourselves. When we become a victim of our sadness, we become a victim of our circumstance, and we begin to feed ourselves unhealthy self-talk. Am I talking to anybody out there that hears what I'm talking about? How do we help ourselves? Number one, where we ended with people, number one for you, you have to put your hope in God. For you to deal with sadness, you have to remind yourself of hope. You got to remind yourself that God is a God of hope. Psalms 42 says this. Why are you downcast? David's writing. Why are you downcast on my soul? Why are you so disturbed? Why is all this happening? 
Can I tell you there's conversations in my vehicle by myself? I'm going, why are you feeling this way, Kevin? Why are you downcast? Why do you feel heavy today? David comes and he says this profound statement, put your hope in God. Can I tell you that when I begin to slide into a negative, unhealthy form of sadness, the moment I shift my perspective and put my hope in God, the moment that sadness begins to lift off my life. How many have discovered that? Can I tell you, first and foremost, when you're facing sadness, you're feeling something, even though it's a circumstance that is justifiable, the moment you begin to feel that emotion is shift to go, I'm putting my hope in God. Even though I walk through the valley, this darkness, you are with me. That's hope, right? It's not escaping it. It's going, I'm going to walk through it, but Jesus, you're going to be with me. Isaiah 50.10 says this, let him who walks in the dark, who has no light. How many know that when you're sad, when you're depressed, when you're overcome, it's dark and there's no light. Let him who walks in the dark and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. When you're in sadness, regardless of what form it's in, your first thing is to go back and go, I'm going to hope in God. I'm going to rely on God. God, I don't understand this, but I'm going to embrace this moment. I'm going to embrace sadness today. I'm not going to hide from sadness. I'm not going to even try to blanket and go, I'm just going to put on joy. There's a place of rejoicing in sadness. Rejoice in everything is what we're called to do. Number two today, we need to trust God's purposes. God's designed everything for us. He has a process and a purpose for all of us. Second Corinthians chapter one says this, praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion. Can I tell you that when you don't embrace sadness, you don't experience the God of compassion. When you try to bury it, you're not submitting yourself to this God of compassion, the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our troubles, not just some of them. He comforts us in all of our troubles when we run to him, when we say, God, I need you to comfort me. God, I'm in this circumstance. And the purpose of your troubles is this, so that we, everyone say we, can comfort. The purpose of your sorrow is to teach you something. The purpose of your sorrow is that you walk through it and you find hope in God. But it's not just for you and you alone. It's for you to give comfort to somebody else. Can I tell you today, Rhonda and I can comfort differently today as a result of our valley of the shadow of death last year. People that are embracing cancer, we can come in a different perspective and bring a different comfort than we never would have known without this experience. Comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Can I tell you, it's important, we're gonna get to it here in just a second, this next one is seeking community and we need to have people around us, but there is no comfort like God's comfort. Would you say that with me? There is no comfort like God's comfort. Come on, there's no comfort like God's comfort. I got three of you participating. I want everyone to do it. There is no comfort like God's comfort. Can I tell that you and I in our humanity want to run to someone else's comfort? And I want you to know this morning that there is absolutely no comfort like the comfort of God. There's no comfort like his presence in your life. Number three is that we need to seek community. When we're feeling sad, when we're feeling depressed, when we're feeling disappointed, our natural inclina in human inclination is to isolate ourselves. 
We were forced isolated for two years and America has continued on in this fake isolation. Can I tell you, for us to be a healthy body, for us to be healthy as individuals, we need to seek community. Everyone say seek. Does it mean that you're being sought after? It means that you are seeking. Many of us are waiting for someone to seek us out and you need to be seeking it. You know where you're at. I can't read your brain. How many know that people don't, are not mind readers? And only you know what you need. And if you need, if you're sad, if you're angry, if you're fearful, you need to pursue the answer. Paul writes in Hebrews 20 or, or Hebrews 10, I say Paul, but whoever wrote it in Hebrews chapter Hebrews 10, it says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage. Everyone say encourage. Encourage one another. This word encourage is to lend courage. Can I tell you that last year, through our process of the valley, there were people in our lives that lent us courage. We didn't have courage of our own to even have. God was there. God was comforting. But can I tell you, there was not courage. There were moments that we'd wake in the middle of the night and there was fear. There were moments that we'd wake and we were stirred and we didn't know what to do with our emotions and we began to plan. And there was sadness that overtook us. But what would happen is people would come along with a text or a word and they would encourage, they would lend us their courage. We'd go, well, they said, and we'd feel a little bit of life come in us. Can I tell you, you are called to be an encourager, to lend your courage to someone else. And if you don't pursue it, no one's going to know to give it. Number four, as you feel sadness, you need to continue to do good. First Peter chapter four, verse 19 says this, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves. Everyone say commit themselves. Commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. In our self-absorbed culture today, that self-care is the answer to everything. Can I tell you, the purpose, God speaks to us about biblical self-care. The answer to or the, the, the real biblical self-care is to reinvigorate and re-engage you to step back into God's purposes, not to step into self-absorbed purposes. Someone should be saying Amen. Can I tell you, in our culture today, what we've done is we've stepped into self-care and it's self-absorbed. It's me-absorbed, it's you-absorbed, and it's filled with all the things of this world, of this planet. And I want to tell you today that God never called you to be selfish. God called you to be God-focused. Continue to do good. When you are feeling sad, when you're feeling these emotions that are out of control, rather than focusing on yourself, you need to start focusing on someone else. There's a book, I don't remember what it's called, I was going to ask Rhonda, but there's a, I think it's called Just Walk Across the Room. I think it's the title of the book. Was that, is that Bill Heibel? Bill Heibel. Um, and he's basically talking about the problems of life. If we would just get out of our, out of our comfort in our we're in the middle of our trial. If we would just get out of our trial and go, I'm going to go help someone else, our trial begins to lift off of our life. Can I tell you, what would happen at Relevant Life Church if every single Sunday, rather than coming here going, I, want to, I hope someone recognizes me, I hope someone talks to me, that maybe you would just get up and walk across the room and recognize someone else. Can you imagine what's going to happen in your own life? Our last one this morning is we need to realize that grief is temporary. And I know that this can cause 
problems and struggle in some. But grief is temporary in relation to eternity. Grief is very temporary. Psalm 30 verse 5 says this, weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Everyone say rejoicing. The goal of walking through sadness is to step back into joy, and that's why we're ending the series on joy. Joy is that feel-good thing, but there's something that takes place as you walk through. There's a joy that you're going to encounter that you would never encounter if you didn't walk through. What I love is that the sun always rises. may not always rise in Oregon, but it always rises. It's rising someplace, right? Can I tell you today that that's what we can come back to? If you want that feel-good feeling, if you want to go, well, I've got to find joy in this, realize that your joy, that your grief only is temporary and that the sun will rise tomorrow. But for you to get to that sunrise, you've got to walk through the nighttime. You've got to encounter the darkness. As I close today, across this room, if you would bow your heads, close your eyes. Actually, stand to your feet. I want to... Uh, let's do it this way. Are you here today? As your eyes are closed, because I want people to feel comfortable. As your eyes are closed, your head's bowed. Are you feeling sad over a circumstance today? If you're here today and you're just feeling general sadness, would you just lift your hands? Lift your hands across this room. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. You're just feeling sadness. I want to pray for you in just a second. Maybe you're here today and you have given power given too much power to sadness. Maybe today you are living in a dark cloud. You've allowed sadness to overtake you. And today, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord wants to come and bring joy, lift the morning, pour oil of gladness upon your life. Is that you this morning? Would you just lift your hand? You've given too much power to sadness. Thank you. Thank you. Psalm 34, 19 says this, the Lord is close. To each of you in this room, the Lord is close. He says he's close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man, a righteous woman will have many troubles, but the Lord delivers them from them, delivers him from them all. The Lord will deliver you. So God, today in the name of Jesus across this room, if that's you today, would you just lift your hands to heaven all across this room? Would you, let's just lift our hands to heaven today. God, in those moments of brokenheartedness, come on, everyone. Yeah, we're going to all have all of them. We're, all of us are going to encounter it. God, in those moments of brokenheartedness, God, we need you to come and to bring hope and to bring life. God, I love the words of this scripture. The Lord delivers them from them all. The Lord delivers them from them all. God, today, even though we understand that there's a valley that we have to walk through, there's a season that we have to walk through, God, we know that you're a God that's going to deliver us in the name of Jesus. Come on, lift your voice and say, God will deliver me. Come on, God will deliver me. God, in the name of Jesus, I ask for deliverance. I ask for hope. I ask, God, that you would implant in them this deep sense of your presence. God, help us to be proactive that we don't allow ourselves to go down the wrong path. God, I love your scripture. I love your word. You address every situation that we face. You've already given us answers to the emotions that we experience. You've given us some answers on how we, to how we are to walk. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray, would you work in us? Deliver us today. And God, if today is not the day of deliverance, would you give us the grace to walk through it?
Come on, lift your hands and say, God, give me the grace to walk through it. God, give me the grace to walk through it. God, help us to experience the blessings of sadness, I pray. And God, now I pray over your people. Bless them in their coming and in their going. God, go before them and strengthen them, I pray. Bless their lives in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you're here today and you need prayer, our prayer team is coming to the front. They would love to pray with you. Maybe it is about a situation of sadness and they can encourage you. Maybe it's healing. Would you come and let them pray with you and encourage you? God bless you. Thank you for coming today. We'll, I won't see you next week, but be here. Rhonda has an amazing message. God bless. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.